Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Janelle Doozy, who will be featured in Wine Country Women Heritage Families. Janelle is the owner and winemaker of J. Doozy Wines in Paso Robles. Janelle, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm very, very excited to be with you guys today. Well, we're excited to talk to you. Well, let's dive right in. I want to get to know everything about you. Tell me, what was one of your first professional jobs? First professional jobs, um, coming out of college, I came home and started uh, working for the local radio station, doing radio station advertising. And getting out um, in sales and marketing was really, really fun for me, but it also allowed me to start harvesting grapes for my own side project at the same time, since it was an outside sales job. So it was a great job um, to get me in the world and talking to people, but also gave me time to start JDC Wines at a really, really small level. So um, the time allowed me to start the small project and launch JDC Wines for the first time. Why did you want to start a winery? I know that your family has been growing grapes for many, many years. What was it about winemaking that got you excited? Yeah, you know, growing up as a small child, um, I was a farmer's daughter. We were a farming family. I'm fourth generation in the great farming world. And I grew up living on the 100 acres of Old Vines Inn. So everywhere we looked, we stepped outside, there was grapevine branches, you know, touching my bedroom window. It was our playground. It was our livelihood. I'm a farmer's daughter. We were expected to work, you know? So I think it was living on the property with my grandparents and my parents. And this was our life, this old vines and Vendel. But we worked so hard all year long to grow these great grapes. And the Ducey Zinn was wanted by wineries throughout California. And watching the grapes drive out the driveway after a long, hard year working on them, you know, another winery was getting those grapes. And I just kept saying to my father and grandfather being like, why don't we make wine? You know, we do all this hard work. And they they repeatedly said to me, because we're farmers, that's what we do. And growing up, I realized that's what they love. My dad wants to be in the dirt from, you know, sun up to sundown. That's where he's comfortable and what he knows. And I love that aspect. I love being out there with him and I love the vineyard we live on and farming. But I knew I wanted to take it to the next level. I wanted to take these grapes we work so hard to grow and keep them for ourselves and put my family name on the bottle and show what I could do with these grapes um, and turn them into wine. So that kind of launched my thinking of why not? Why can't we? Are you self-taught? Well, I begged my grandfather to teach me the basics of winemaking, yeah. but I was very young, about 12, 13 years old. And he thought it was a fun side project and we had a great time hanging out together and using uh you know, food grade buckets and cheesecloth to press the grapes and, you know, very old world style uh, of winemaking, but it was fun. It was in the garage and he really did teach me the basics. And throughout high school, I was encouraged to go get mentors in winemaking and I did. And I made um, just a barrel a year, 
you know, about 500 to 1,000 pounds of grapes every year through college. And then after college, I went and um, worked in South Australia and worked overseas to get a couple vintages under my belt and just learn as much as I could about winemaking. So working for other wineries, working for other winemakers, and having mentors, my grandfather and my father, all, all of those um, kind of blended together and to shape what I know today. What is one of the best lessons that your grandfather taught you? He always said, I was saying, you know, take your time, go and hurry back. The quality of life that we had, with the basics of life, I think, really instilled into me. I, I grew up my whole life, you know, 50 yards away from his house. So we were each other's pals a lot of the time. Is there a winemaking lesson that he taught you that you still keep in mind today? No, most of the stuff he taught me, I realized it was probably, you know, really, really old school. And there was definitely new, better techniques <laughs> than that. But it was the passion that he had. And it was the passion for the vines, like walking around in the vineyard with him at his older age. He would just piddle around the vineyard, not really doing much. But he loved all those vines and he knew them all. And when they say winemaking starts in the vineyard, I really, really believe that. It is the farming. It's mother nature. It's it's the soil those grapes were grown in, how they're grown. And the winemaking part should be the easy part when you get to it. So I think he taught me a real love for the land and the soil that our feet are on and our house was on and that we were grown up on. Describe a Janelle Ducey wine. Well, I think from a female winemaker's perspective, um, I really try to create a very balanced wine. So a wine that might be a little bit more restrained in style, a little more medium bodied in style, but hits all those characteristic notes of a classic varietal. So since my roots are in Zinfandel, I wanted to create a Zinfandel that recognized all those characteristics of great fruit, lots of spice on the finish, but they showed the soil, they showed the farming, they showed everything. They weren't just over masked or over manipulated or over oaked. And I just want to show the purity of the fruit itself since half of my life, that's what we are, where the farmer is growing this fruit. So that's what I really try to convey in the wines that I make and not make them big and huge and gnarly and over oaked and overdone. I just want them to be pure and fresh and very well balanced, hopefully. Do you think women winemakers have an advantage over their male counterparts? When I think of an advantage, I would think of the way that we would, we feel comfortable making a medium bodied wine. You know, I feel like we can bring a little bit more finesse to it and that's what we would enjoy drinking. So the, the advantage I would think is that we know what we like and the wives and, you know, in a relationship, um, who buys the wine of, not just blow your face off kind of huge <laughs> gigantic wine but like I said a little bit more medium body um, a little finesse to it and feeling very comfortable and proud of creating a wine like that are you a believer that women have better palates Ooh, yeah probably about 75 percent I believe that yes <laughs> <laughs> top moment of your career so far Gosh, I think things like this being included in a potential book or, you know, having a podcast and things like that. But what I do love about my job is that being an owner and the winemaker, I'm not just in the cellar making the wine every day, but I'm on the winery location every day. So I can greet, I can say hello to the guests if I want to. I'm also the one that travels to do wine dinners or go to Atlanta, Georgia and ride with sales reps and, and, 
and promote the JDC wines, but also be the representative is just me. So I love, love that I can be in every aspect of the winery world since I'm small, I'm family owned, the owner, I'm the winemaker. So I, you know, I love to be a part of everything. What is your total case production? I make about 5,000 cases of oh. high-end reds okay. and um, another another 7,000 cases of um, like a, a screw cap. Street? No, uh, all the JDC Reds and Paper Street equals about 5,000 oh, cases. Okay. And then they do about another 7,000 cases of wines that are, you know, Vons and Albertsons that are screw cap and really well-priced everyday drinking wines. Twelve to 15,000 cases total. And what's the hidden gem in your portfolio? Well, the new emerging gem is that Paper Street wines you just touched on. I feel like the fruit coming off this property with its high elevation, it's super steep hillsides, it's rugged terrain, the topography up there is intense, and the fruit coming off it is just bigger, it's bolder, it's darker, it's just another level that without me manipulating or changing the fruit, it just naturally is kind of a grade above, a, a different, but it's also fun that I'm, I'm picking some grown varietals off that property too. So, you know, not just Zinfandel, but Dunalemur, Syrah, Grenache, Mavet, 100% Mavet. That's just knock your socks off. It's so good. What are you looking to do in the future? Is there something that we can expect to see on the horizon? I think play with more varietals. You know, I've gotten a little bit into some Tanat and Petit Verdot. And like I say, my heels are so in Zinfandel and it's what I grew up with and what I know so much and what I love that stepping out, you know, out of the comfort zone and, and playing with new varietals and teaching myself how, how they work together has been a really, really fun. And growing other varietals up on Paper Street, like the Mavedra, um, Claret Blanche, um, getting into a little Cabernet and really seeing what Paso Robles can grow and what we as a family can grow really well and put it in the bottle with our name on it. So kind of focusing in and, and not getting bigger in case production, but just get better in the winemaking and just dialing it in every year. How much of your acreage is planted to Zen? I would say about half of our acreage is planted okay. in Pendel. You know, the, the vineyards planted in 1925 and 1945 are 100% Zen. And since then, we've planted up a paper street, about 20 acres of it. And we have about 350 acres planted total. And I would say probably about half of that is in Fendel. What have you discovered to be the most challenging part of your job? Being the owner of, of a brand and as it grows is, is feeling confident in having the right staff for the right job. I can't do everything, even though I love to be present in everything, promoting people that can really be the front of house, a wine club manager, a tasting room manager that, you know, let me focus on the wine a little bit more, but I definitely want to be involved in saying hello to guests and customers and greeting them. But um, really focusing on, I can't do everything and I can't do everything the best. So really um, giving the power to other people and having a good team, building a good team that resembles JDC Wines. Yeah, I, I can actually relate to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to sometimes give up control or can anybody do it as good as you can, <laughs> right? Yeah, because they're promoting my name, you know, our family. So it's like, but I realize that there's some great people and they do amazing things. So just surround myself with those kind of people has been really, really fun and you know helpful and just forward momentum going, which is great. Now, I know you have a couple of brothers. Yes, I'm the youngest. Youngest <laughs> and the only girl, right? Yep, yep. The only girl. So 
What was good about that? Well, in the, in the profession that I'm in now, I am tougher than any girl I know. We played around rough and we were always in the fields with my dad farming. So I think the work ethic that was instilled in me is that I couldn't just be a little girl, you know, and, and I didn't want to be. My mom wanted to dress me in dresses and I wanted, you know, t-shirts with the iron on semi trucks. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be with the, with the guys and their friends and the older brothers. I think in the wine world it, and being in a labor intensive job, I don't back away or shy away from any work or any physical labor or anything like that. I'm the first one to step in it. And I think that's what surprises a lot of people when they see the winery is that I physically do all of it. Do other members of your family work in the business? We are all in the wine industry, but in different facets. And we are are all um, partners on the, on the vineyard side and the farming side of things. So we all do that together. Anytime I need help at the winery, they're the first people to come and help. Um, but they all have their own day jobs where the winery is my day job, Mm -hmm. but very, very, um, helpful and interactive. And we're all, we're all a part of it. Other than maybe your grandfather, have you had a mentor? during your winemaking career? Well, when I mentioned that my uh, partner, boyfriend, and I have been together right. about 13 years, he really uh, was an integral part at the beginning of, he had had a very successful winery and had a bottling line and encouraging, you know, put, just put your first vintage in bottle. And, um, you know, it, it is a scary, nerve-wracking thing to say what I've made I'm going to put in the bottle and pour it for you to judge it, to see if you like it, you know? So um, he was a very good background. His name is Bill Grant. He was a great um, educator and as well as um, help you promote the wines and and push you forward for sure. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. You love wine. And at Total Wine & More, you can count on getting the service you deserve. Their team of fun and friendly experts are extensively trained and even travel everywhere from California to Europe to meet the producers themselves. Stop by, check out over 8,000 bottles, and see why those who know wine always drink interesting at Total Wine & More. Well, let's shift on to your personal life. So you grew up on the, I'm going to call it a ranch, and you still live there today. Yes. Talk to me about your house. If I took a step inside it, what would I see? What's your decorating style, color scheme? Well, I live in the middle of um, dirt, so 100 acres of dirt, but um, of the vineyard. So when I when I chose a dark charcoal gray hardwood floor, I'm regretting that oh. now. <laughs> it's, it shows everything. So um you know, the window cleaning and, and cleaning the, the hardwood happens a lot living on, on dirt. But, you know, I like things to be cozy but open at the same time. And I live on the same property as my parents and nearby my brothers. And I just want to have open doors. And, and I love that uh, my family is close by and always welcome at our house. It's full of animals in there too, so uh, they make me happy. So I have some cats and a dog and chickens outside. Um, a garden planted in between the rows of old vines in, planted in the 40s. And it's where I want to be though. I feel like the property we have is right on Highway 101. and We could sell for so much money and I just, what would I do? Where else would I want to live? Nowhere. I, I'm so happy I chose to come back and live on the family ranch and... It's the only place I want to call home. 
Well, I was going to actually ask you if you ever are starved for big city life, the hustle and bustle. You know, I love visiting cities and I've been doing Zooms all weekend with people back east and it's snowing and I was like, oh, I want to be back east, the big storm. But um, that is what I touched on earlier. Like I love to travel and promote the wines because it gets me out of my small town, Paso Robles. It gives me off my small ranch. But I love every second of the cities and I just want to get up in the morning, put tennis shoes on, walk those city blocks with a good cup of coffee and check things out. You know, um, I love every second of traveling. That's why I don't want to give up that aspect of this job. I want to do all of the sales and marketing myself. It gets me, it gets me away. And I'm super fortunate that I realize I can be here in Paso and have this great job and live on this vineyard, but also travel a lot for work. It's the, a nice balance. Well, especially when your work is eating and drinking great food right. and wine, you know, <laughs> it's like, wow, <laughs> this is, works out perfect. Come home, you're in this oasis of comfort, right? Submerged among the vines. Yes, yeah. Do you have a hobby? Do you collect something? Do you speak a second language? Is there something unusual people might be surprised to learn about? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Um, I, I do love to travel. When I was younger, I would just, you know, book a ticket into Rome out two months later or book one into Bangkok, Thailand, and six weeks later out. And okay. kind of, like I say, when I love to travel um, in the cities, even if it's for work or not, I just want to roam around and get to know the culture and the lifestyle of other places. I think I take that as my dad and people think of him as a farmer, but he loves to, you know, travel and go on the beach and jump on rocks, you know, and just see other parts of the world is one of my favorite things to go do. So during this quarantine and COVID, it's been challenging, but um, makes me have a lot of time to plan more adventures in the future. Let's go back to your house. What's one of your favorite rooms in your house? When you're ready to kick back and relax, what room do you go to? Um, I really enjoy my living room in my house because it's open and connected to the kitchen. Um, and it's our fireplace and a nice comfortable couch with a lot of plants in it. And I love that the connection with the kitchen, because when you have people over, you're always centered around the Island, you know, and watching it cook or pouring some more wine. And so it's a very large room that connects between the kitchen, the Island and the, and the living room and kind of just makes you feel as one. And it overlooks the whole vineyard too. So. Oh, perfect. What kind of music would you be putting on? I like, um, you know, I'm a good country girl too. So I would never say no to some nice country tunes on the background, but I like old country, nothing new, not all the new stuff. Okay. For example, for example, George Strait. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like all the older country like that. Um, otherwise, upbeat dinner music. I love this Bob Moses station right now for having people over because it's not like a recognizable song. But I know there's a total different ends of the spectrum. But um, I kind of gravitate towards one of those two. What's a bucket list item? Or have you done everything on your bucket list? Everything has to do with travel. You know, what my hobbies, what I like to do, my bucket list, and other places to travel. We did have to cancel a trip with my parents to um, Dubai and South Africa this year. That was kind of grandiose. And I was really looking forward to it because I was turning 40. So uh, it was a really big trip for us. And we did have to cancel. So I hope to rebook that someday. And um, traveling with them is always so great. So have you ever thought about domestically making wine somewhere else? 
Or do you feel like your your heritage is in Paso Robles and that's where you should stay and just dedicate your life to making wine from there? Exactly. I feel like, like, yeah, my roots are here in Paso Robles in this dirt that grew Zinfandel since the 20s and 40s. And there was about five Italian families that planted Zinfandel in the early 1920s. And none of those families still own the land that they were on. Oh, wow. Um, and we are the only ones that still family owned and farm. And now that I can take those grapes and take it to the next level is my dream come true. So I am happy taking pastoral bulls of, of what we work uh, and grow and, and sell a lot of the fruit to other wineries, but keep some for myself. Other than that, I mean, I've worked in Australia. I've made wine down there in South in Adelaide and, I love to travel to different wine regions, mm-hmm. but my heart is here in Paso Robles okay. and, and, sh- and taking, yeah, the family roots to the next level. I love Zinfandel, but unfortunately, there's some people out there that don't realize that Zinfandel is a red wine. Zinfandel has had its trials and tribulations over the decades, <laughs> yes. but, um, you know, I think it's like varietals going in and out of popularity in the 60s, 70s, nobody drank Zinfandel. And if it was, it was white Zinfandel. Right. So it was sweet. And the hard part um, is to get over that hump. I think Zinfandel did come out of it in the late 80s to 90s. And people are kind of coming back around to Zinfandel as a varietal and giving it a little bit more respect than it's gotten in the past because winemakers are learning that it is a respectable grape yes, if you make absolutely. it that way. And it does have a lot of fruit on it, mm-hmm. but you don't. it doesn't have to be jammy, over-the-top, high-alcohol bombs. You know, I save that fruit and those barrels for port-style wine, right. which is where it's meant to be. So in a classic Zinfandel, it is about the fruit, but it's about a way of making that fruit into great fruit mm-hmm. and elegant. Yeah, exactly. Have you discovered that you've had to do a lot of education because some people just simply don't know that there's that Zen is red? Yeah, a little bit of education is needed, but honestly, every year you can see the demographic changing and getting more well-versed in wine and, and knowledgeable. And a lot of people out there are yearning to learn more. What's the next new varietal? What's hot? What's new? So we try to play around with that a little bit too. Who tends to be your customer? Fortunately for us, there's a lot of people that recognize the Ducey name as synonymous with, with Old Vine Zinfandel. Our customer, if I take a Zinfandel off the bar, people are irate and like, we're, we're here for Zinfandel. We know that's what you do. So I really try to, um, you know, the older population, I would say, I would say 50 to 75 is really where a lot of our customers kind of lie. But we have the the screw cap everyday drinking wines for the younger population that comes in. But um, we get them hooked on Pinot Grigio by the case. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's it's a great wine that we do, and it it's definitely moves out here by the case all day long. But I think with a little more older population that really loves Zinfandel at heart and knows the Ducey name, and so um, when we're out, you're talking about education, people recognize the name and so it makes it a little bit easier for me to um, have a respect for Zinfandel. Okay Janelle we're gonna wrap things up now with five quick questions they are really lighthearted. so are you ready? Yes. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a GMC Sierra pickup. What's your favorite flower? Are those dahlias? I love those. What's your favorite holiday? I think I have to go with Christmas. <laughs> 
When you want a dessert, what do you grab for? Oh, like salted covered chocolate caramel or something. Okay. The, the sweet and savory together. And what is one of your all-time favorite movies? Let's say Goonies. Go old school. Okay, well, that's throwing me for a loop. (laughs) (laughs) Janelle, so much fun talking to you today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.